You know, uh, last week we finished a series in Galatians. We had gone pretty much the uh, whole winter spring there going through Galatians. We are having a one week sermon series this week. We're getting ready for Easter. We're ramping it up. That's what it's called. Ramp it up. We're getting ready for next week, Easter Sunday. Okay. And I was kind of walking through some different ideas and different things we could go through. And, and, uh, I just kept coming back to the, you know what? It is Palm Sunday. Let's go through the triumphal entry. Let's make sure we really take some time to learn from that, how we can be ramping it up to learn what the disciples learned. Maybe some of what they did right, some of what they did wrong. So let's get started. Imagine one of the disciples being interviewed after the fact. He's kind of reflecting back on what's going on and that week before all the way up to Easter and beyond and Christ has already risen from the dead and ascended up and he's telling a little bit of the story of the triumphal entry might sound something like this you know yeah he did tell us what was going on i mean there was this moment right after he had talked all about the kingdom jesus was telling us what the kingdom was and what it wasn't and he told some parables about minas and handing them out and people who really get busted bad for not doing things with it. And to be honest, I don't know if I was even listening. I, I, I was partially grabbing it, but absolutely wasn't catching the big idea. But he was trying to tell us about this kingdom that was still going to be a ways away. Then he said something about beatings and mockings and being spit on and killed and rising from the dead, blah, 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 three days later. I don't know what he was talking about. We were lost. I mean, we're looking at each other like, is he real? Is it a metaphor? Is this a story we're supposed to understand of someone we've met? What's going on with all that? We don't know. But I'll tell you this. It was Passover. We were getting ready to go down to Jerusalem like every other good Jew. And as our way was being made towards Jerusalem, Jesus stopped as we were kind of all walking with him. He stopped outside of Bethany. You know, the place where Lazarus was, the place where Mary and Martha were, the place where Jesus called Lazarus back from the dead four days after he'd been gone. Trust me, these people knew who he was. Jesus decided not to go into the city. I don't know, maybe he was trying to avoid a little bit of a mass hysteria as he walked back in. So he stayed outside the city. He basically picked two of us and he sent them out. The rest of us are hanging around. Two of the disciples are going... Let me tell you, he was very explicit with them. Go down into that city. You see it right there? Go to that city. As you walk in, you're going to see a colt. Untie it. Bring it here. If asked, then you say, the Lord has need of it. You see these two guys? I'm telling you, their faces were kind of, uh, uh, okay, here we go. We're going off. I'm not sure if they really grasped it. I'll I'll be honest with you. I mean, yes, it's prophesied that he would come in on a colt. I'm not sure if they were grasping the absolute significance of them going to get a colt. I'm not even sure they knew what was really happening. I know I didn't. And, And as they went down to the city and did whatever they were doing, and they were gone for a couple hours, and we're all kind of kicking the dust and chit chatting about things in life and wondering if they're going to find that colt. All of a sudden, here they come back. And they said, it was just like he said. We, we came inside and there was a colt tied up. We said, the Lord has need of it. And the owner just went, fine. And, and we took the colt. 
So here you go. Now what? And Jesus said, I'm going to ride in on the colt. What? You do have to know this. He walked everywhere. This was a moment. You're going to ride that colt, the one that's never been ridden before, and you're going to get on it. You're going to look like a fool. It's not going to go very well. What's the plan? Are you trying to... Are you trying to make this like a kingly procession? What are you doing? And he said, I'm going to sit on it. And they said, well, hang on. At least let us throw our cloaks on it. And the two guys that got the colt, they threw the coats over it. And he jumped on and he started riding this donkey down. And I'm telling you, we all started getting the picture. Like he's trying to say, king. And, and he's trying to say, I'm in charge. It, this is like when they would come back in after a war or something. So we basically started taking our coats off and throwing them in front of them. And the colt would walk over those. Why? I don't know. They did it for King Jehu, right? I mean, they were trying to figure out what's going on there and nobody was prepared. So they started throwing coats on the ground. Sounded like a good plan. So we did it too. And and I'm telling you, all of us that were headed down to Jerusalem for Passover, we were all kind of seeing the coats and the colt and the and people were starting to get stirred up and everybody starts chanting and cheering and all of a sudden they're ripping things apart on the trees and pulling these palm branches out and everybody starts waving them in the air and we started crying one word. Hosanna. Why? Well, we sang the song anyway, right? We're singing it for Passover and it's all about save us. And then we started chanting, you are the king. Blessed be the king. God is providing for us. And the place just went into hysteria. I, I can't even explain to you the volume and the number of people as we were walking along. And all of a sudden, this big dude kind of steps in aside me and bumps me. He's a Pharisee. Thinking he's a little more important than me. Just kind of bumps, doesn't say anything about sorry. Steps in. Steps up to Jesus by the colt and goes, teacher, I got to tell you, that bothered me because he's acting like he has respect for him, but he has no respect. He just said that so we wouldn't get upset at him. Teacher. Then he said, rebuke him. They're calling you king. And I'm telling you, you'd have had to see the look in Jesus' eye as he looked over almost I, I could have sworn I saw a smile as he just said, I'm telling you what, if they weren't praising me, the stones would be praising me. And the look on that Pharisee's face, like stones talk, you know, that kind of a look. What? What are you talking about? And Jesus just turned back ahead as if to say, we're on a mission and you're not going to be dealt with. Move. And we continued to move forward. Do you know, as we got closer to Jerusalem, the people from Jerusalem that were seeing this and hearing this were actually coming out going, who's that guy? What's going on? And, and we started to tell them, this is the prophet. This is the one who touched someone and they were healed. This is the one who came up to a man who hadn't walked in years and boom, the guy's walking. This is the one who touched the eyes and he could now see. This is the one who spoke and someone who was dead is back to life. This is the one who is the prophet that Moses was talking about. This is the one that we've been waiting for for centuries. This is the Messiah. Oh, are you sure? Let me explain to you again what we just saw. 
We kept going over and over the miracles. You have got to, as the chants just keep getting louder and louder. Blessed be the king. Hosanna. I'm telling you, I wish then that I knew what we were in the midst of. Because I thought we were taking over Rome. I thought Jesus was becoming king somehow, and this thing was done. Boy, did I miss it. What I thought was big, he was about 50 million times bigger. He wasn't just fixing Israel. He was fixing all mankind. I wish then I could have celebrated what was going on. My view was so small. But man, what a celebration experience that was. That's a view from... Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. (laughs) Pulling all of it together. What a disciple may have said. We're going to look today at Luke 19, verses 28 to 40. And we're simply answering this question. How can I go about celebrating him this week as I get prepared for Easter Sunday? What can I do in reflecting on who God is in order to start ramping up My heart being prepared for him. It's time for us to really celebrate Easter. Let's go after it as we ramp it up. Luke 20 or 19 verses 28 to uh, 40. The ushers are going to be coming forward. They've got Bibles in their hands. If you don't have a Bible, just raise your hand. We'd love to get one to you. We're just going to be walking verse by verse through this. So just raise your hand if you need a Bible and we'll get one to you. Okay. Luke 19, 28 to 40. How do we ramp it up? First, first thing we need to note. God has a plan. Are you seeing him at work? God has a plan. Are you seeing him at work? Let's just start right here in verse 28. And when he, Jesus, had said these things, he went on ahead. Said these things? What things? Well, if you look right before it, it's the parable of the ten minas. It's the parable about the kingdom. It's the parable that says... If you want to understand what's going on with the kingdom, this is what you need to know. You need to know, first of all, there's going to be some delay. And second of all, you've got some work to do in the meantime. And there will be rewards. And he kind of walked through the passage there of a parable. It says, and when he had said these things about the kingdom, some about its delay and some about our responsibility, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. Now, this is the time of the Passover. So he's heading up for the Passover feast like every other good Jew. They're on their way to Jerusalem. It says, when he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of his disciples. Basically, Bethany, this place where Lazarus and Mary and Martha were, this place where a phenomenal miracle had occurred, this place where a man was raised from the dead, and the town all knew about it. As they approached that town, he sent two of his disciples in. Doesn't say why. We can only conjecture. I I would guess that he was probably trying to prevent a little bit of crowd hysteria. And that he's saying, hey, there's too much recognition. Just hang back here. You go in. You do this. Maybe he was also working with the faith of the disciples a little bit. Because he was sending them on a task. And it was going to be fulfilled just as he said. Not exactly sure what's going on, but we do know this. 
he's sending the two disciples in. Verse 30. Here's your task. Go to the village in front of you. Not the village over there. Not the village way far away. Not Jerusalem. Go to the village right in front of you. Do you see the city walls? Go inside there. So go in front of the village and then go in. It's right in front of you. Where on entering, you will find a colt tied. So look around for a little colt, which no one has ever ridden or sat on. Untie it and bring it here. Get it, right? So basically what the disciples heard is, go steal a colt. Right? I mean, that's what they're hearing. Uh, okay. Are you going to back me on this? Because I'm on my way to steal now. Right? So he says, here's the backing for you. If anyone asks you why you're untying it, which they very well might, you shall say this. The Lord has need of it. The Lord has need of it. Now, we'll find out in just a second that they needed that phrase. Do you notice when God has a plan, he prepares you? Do you notice when that God's asking you to do something and he's calling you to something? He says, here's where I'm going. Here's what you're going to need. Let's be prepared. God walking through it with you. God has a plan and he's got some details to the plan. That's how good our God is. He's not some big, vague, abstract God who just says, yeah, good luck on that. Sends the top spinning and walks away. He says, sovereignty is my middle name. So as I work in this world, trust me, I am setting this up for you to learn and grow, but you do need some things you need to know as you go about this. And he sets the things up for him. The beauty of it is he doesn't just say, go get me a colt from somewhere, right? He says, go get me the colt, the one that's just inside the city tied up, the one that you're going to need to be able to say the Lord has need of it, the one that's just inside that city, Bethany, go get it. It's interesting because I was reading some commentaries this week and there's a lot of commentaries that actually want to say he must have set it up ahead of time. He must have talked to the guy ahead of time and said, hey, I'm going to be coming in on the the 13th. So make sure you got a colt tied up outside. Right. Uh, Okay. it doesn't say that he didn't do that. But I'll tell you this. I think we're in the context of the Messiah being introduced. I think we might be in miracle moment. I think we might be in the moment where he's saying, I've got a little knowledge that goes beyond just what I see and experience. I know what's happening. And here's how you need to go about doing this. Personal opinion, that's where I think it's going. He says, if anyone asks you, so they say, the Lord has need of it. Not, there's this guy, he asked me to go get it. Oh, you maybe want to meet him, right? It's not some vague, the Lord has need of it. Now it says, so those who were sent away, they went away and found it just as he had told them. Building their faith. Found it just as he had told them. They were perfectly prepared in the midst of God's plan. Verse 33, and as they were untying the colt, stealing it, right? Its owners said to them, why are you untying the colt? That's a good question to ask, don't you think? I mean, he didn't say, stop thief. He said, 
why are you untying this colt? And their answer was, the Lord has need of it. We were prepared for this one, right? The Lord has need of it. And now they're looking with big wide eyes, right? Like what's going to be said next? And here's how much what was said next mattered. It's not even recorded. Right? They said the Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus. That's all it says. I mean, here's the deal. Whoever the owner was, in some way, shape, or form, the Lord has need of it was enough for him. So, either we have a guy who maybe is a follower of Jesus Christ himself. So that as they say the Lord has need of it, they're recognizing these guys and they're recognizing the Lord. And they go, Jesus, I mean, you're talking about the guy who healed Lazarus, raised him from the dead. Take it. It it could very well be that's where they were at. It could be they were just trying to be the good Jew. Right? I mean, when somebody came to your house and you didn't know who they were, from a hospitality perspective, you need to treat them like they could even be an angel. So you bring them in and you give them the best of the best. And in this case, he says, the Lord has need of it. You're like, wow, up the ante a little bit. All right, take the colt then. It, It could be that that's what's going on. Whatever's happening here, I'll tell you this. The Lord has need of it was all they needed to say. There's no theft. There's hospitality. There's giving. There's loaning. That's what's going on. Have you ever noticed that often God has a plan and somehow we just can't see it? I mean, the beauty is here. They were presented with the facts by Jesus Christ. This is what you need to know. This is where you need to head. This is what you're going to need to say. Those would be really nice moments sometimes, wouldn't they? Wouldn't they? I mean, really, right? We're sitting in life problems and we're like, I'm trying to read through what's happening in scripture and what the principles are. And I'm trying to pray and see what God has in store for me. And I'm, I'm looking for what your plan is and God, what's the big picture. And all too often we get a little bit distracted by our own preferences and our own desires of life. Often we see through our own emotions and our own passions and our own preferences And we start missing what the big plan is. You know, it's March Madness, right? Have you been watching March Madness? Is this like massive upset city this year? I'm getting killed by my daughter who's 11 years old, right? She loves to go into March Madness brackets and predict upsets everywhere. That's what she does. So she has every two team being beat by and every 12, right? That's how she does it. So she looks through and, but, but I, I asked her and I found a little secret to what she does. You might want to know because she's killing me this year. (laughs) I printed out a bracket this year for March Madness and it has the wins and losses next to it. I did that on purpose because I know they're not following all the teams all year. So now they can see the wins and losses of the team and they can see why they're placed at what seed number they're placed at. And so what she did is she looked and if they had a lot of wins going, like more than the other team, they must be better. Forget that seed thing. Flip it. Okay, that's what she was doing. So she did this awesome job of predicting and she's actually, like I said, in first place in our family right now. She's doing a very good job. But one time I said, I don't even know when this team is playing. I want to see this game. And she goes, oh, that's Friday night. I go, how do you know that? She goes, it's printed right on the brackets. Where? You see that little gray right below it? Mm-mm. I had to go and get reading glasses out. <laughs> so I pull out these reading glasses and put them on. And then you're like, oh, yeah, look at that. Friday night. I mean, the information was written right there. I couldn't even see it. 
How often is that like life for us? I mean, God's working in our life. God has a plan. He's making things clear. He's right in front of you. And our spiritual eyes, not getting it. I need to have the reading glasses put on. Right? God has a plan. Are you seeing him at work? Or is it time to put on the spiritual reading glasses? His hand is moving. He is there. He does have a plan. He is at work. It's not a question. It's a fact. If you're not seeing it, if you're not sensing him, it's time to get a little bit of spiritual eye adjustment going. God has a plan. So here's my question for you. Are you seeing his hand? That's a good thing if you are. Continue to look for him. Continue to reach out to him. Continue to hear from him. If you're not, it's time to seek. It's time to put on those spiritual eyeglasses. Hi, how? What's that look like? Well, at the least, it's spending some time in his word, listing out, well, what are some biblical principles that apply to this? And what are some details that are going on in the situation that could honor him? How could he be glorified? And Lord, what are you doing to make things more clear in... Right? It's like we've talked about a number of times before that mist in front of you. And you're looking for just the one next step that makes total sense in honoring him. Look for that. Pray for that. Hunger for that. And step to that. And just that. Don't worry about the rest of the steps. Right? If he gave you all of those, you just run off and do your own thing and say, I don't need you anymore. It's one step at a time. God, where are you leading? Time to put on the spiritual eyeglasses. See God at work. He is working. That's the first step in ramping it up. Recognize that he is working. He has a plan. Second, God is worthy of celebration. Are you celebrating for the right reasons? God is worthy of celebration. Are you celebrating for the right reasons? Check this out. Verse 35, and they, the disciples, brought it, the colt, to Jesus, and throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. So now they've got the colt, they've got him back to Jesus, they've got the whole thing set up, they've got him on top of their coats because they're winging it, they're in the moment. And as he, Jesus, rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road in front of them, right? They're throwing the cloaks out in front. This is a kind of a a second Kings chapter 9, it looks just like with Jehu, when he was becoming king. He was basically declared as king and nobody was prepared for it. And so as they began to celebrate, one of the things they did is they just threw their coats on the ground in front of them just to make make a statement. Hey, this guy is pretty worthwhile for noticing. This is a big deal that's happening right here. And they're beginning to sort of do that again in reflection. It's been a great story taught to them. We're going to do it here. So they're throwing their coats down. It says... As he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice. Began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice. The whole multitude. Have you used that word recently in your life? Where were you yesterday? I was out with the multitude. Right? I mean, that's that's a lot of people. 
right? That's the way to put it. He was out with a lot of followers and all of the followers, the whole multitude was praising him and lifting his name up, glorifying him. They were chanting his name. It says the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for purpose statement. You hearing it for all the mighty works that had that they had seen all the mighty works that they had seen. They were praising his name because he had been able to foretell the future a little bit. They were praising his name because he had touched someone's eyes and they could see. They were praising his name because he had helped a man who was lame to stand up and walk and jump and skip and tell stories and talk of this Jesus. They were praising his name because he had fed 5,000 people with not a whole lot of food. That's a pretty amazing thing. They were praising his name because he had just called and some guy who had been gone for four days, dead, stands up and walks out in the cloth that he had been wrapped in when he was dead. It was a big deal. This guy's got a lot of authority. They were praising his name because Matthew or Deuteronomy 18, 15 through 18, talked about a prophet to come. A prophet, a man, but a prophet like Moses, who would lead them to Israel being restored. This could be the guy, the king, the one. We've seen the miracles. Therefore, and here's the mistake, therefore, Rome will be overthrown. We've seen his power, so these politics mean nothing. We've seen his authority, so Israel is going to be the nation now. We've seen his authority and his rule and his... Therefore, it's about me. Do you hear it? They're missing it. They got part of it. They should be celebrating. They got part of it. He is the Messiah. They missed a piece. He's the servant savior at this point in time. He's coming in on a cult. And a cult that, remember that cult means young. And cult that hasn't been ridden. Young, unridden one. Can you imagine the wooliness and wildness of that little thing? The kind of squirreliness of that little thing? And they're walking along with it. It's really not necessarily the most flattering moment. Right? It's not the most powerful moment. Quite honestly, this isn't what you'd do if you were returning from war. You'd come in on a giant steed, a horse with authority. Coming in on the cult, there's something else being said. This was a different kind of procession. It was more of what they would call a civil procession. He's coming in saying, servant, humble, with a focus. Their statement is, they began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice. And this is what they were saying, verse 38. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king. The king. And that's heresy. You better watch out. Like, spiritually, you just overstepped your bound. And politically, I don't want to stand near you. What are you saying, the king? The king has come. Blessed is the king. That's what they were saying. And they weren't saying it like this. Hey, blessed is the king. We're talking about a multitude of people screaming at the top of their lungs and jumping and 
Blessed is the king. He is here. The king has come. He's here. And they're running around the colt and they're making all this big deal and everything is a pump. This is him. God has provided. Blessed be the king. If you actually go to Matthew, there's another word that's added. Hosanna. Hosanna. Well, how come that word's not put in here? Well, you know what? Matthew writes to the Jews. And Luke, he's writing to a broader base and a lot of them are Gentiles. Most of them. And so Matthew's recording something that we might want to understand a little bit. He's actually recording what's written in Psalm 113 through 18. It's the things that were being said as they would, these songs that were sung as they were moving to the Passover feast. It was a series of praise songs. And in Psalm 118, Hosanna is used in there. And then after it, it says, blessed be the king who has come. What does it really mean? It means save us, please. That's what Hosanna means. Save us, please. And if you actually go further, it means I trust in you so much that it's a given. Over time, it became more of a promise to claim than an actual cry for help. It became a, this guy is so trustworthy, we just cry it out as a claim of promise. Hosanna. God will provide. Blessed be the king. It says, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. This was a big moment for them. Everybody is excited and thrilled. Yeah, it's a Passover, but it's way more than a Passover. We're going to see Israel restored. We're going to see the Messiah here. We have the prophet right in our presence. Praise be to God. He is providing. Yes. And in a whole different way. So can you imagine that next week? As you're expecting Rome to be overthrown. Israel to be in charge, Jesus to be sitting on a throne, and instead, he's crucified. Can you imagine the devastation? Just feel the emotional shift from Sunday to Friday. The loss, the despair, it it isn't real. This this whole thing has been a, a sham. It's a joke. No, you were just... Celebrating for the wrong reasons. He was doing way more than what you were imagining. He he wasn't here to just take over a, a physical throne. He's here to take over a spiritual throne. He, he wasn't just here to please Israel. He was here for all mankind. He, he wasn't here to bring down a little bit of punishment. He was here to make a payment for you and for me. You see, the celebration moment, as the disciples were going through it, they were missing some of the point. I can only imagine that they'd want to go back and do a retake of it, where they really grasped what was going on, so that they could celebrate for real there what was really happening. But as things came to a close, they were coming up to Jerusalem, and these disciples were pumping it up for all the wrong reasons. You know, there was a 14-foot bronze cross that was put in front of a cemetery. This bronze cross was worth $10,000, they estimated, and this is about 50 years ago. A lot of money. And some thieves thought, it would be great to have that. So they went and they cut it down at the base, and they stole it. 
And that cross never showed up anywhere on the black market or anything. They can only figure that what they probably did is saw that it was made out of bronze and cut it up into little pieces and sold it for the bronze, the weight itself. They figured the total dollar value would have been about $450. You see, what was worth $10,000, they chopped into pieces and looked at the wrong value and it ended up only a couple hundred dollars. How often are we doing that in our own walk with God? Where he's got this huge, big picture value to what's going on. And we're looking at the little stuff. We're not looking at the big picture of what he's doing in our family. Or even in this church community. Or even broader in this world. But we're looking very personally at, is my boss talking to me in exactly the right way, with the right tone, with the right... Because that makes me feel good. Or what's happening with my schooling and some of the classes I want to get into or this test that I've got next, right? We start bringing it down to a very personal level. And it's not that God doesn't care about the personal level. He is deeply involved there. But he's also involved in a big, broad, vast moment, both in your life and beyond. As we celebrate him, we have to be able to keep in mind that it's all about his glory. And that whatever I'm going through isn't here to lift me up. And it isn't here to make me comfortable. But it's here to bring him glory. And whatever goes on where I can be able to be faithful to him so that he gets celebrated, now we're getting the picture. In this moment, they were celebrating who Christ was because of what it was going to bring for them. May we not celebrate God for what he's going to bring to us. But instead, may we celebrate God simply because he is God. May we lift up the name of Jesus Christ and say, you are so worth knowing. Praise be to God. The king has come. The king has come. What wrong reason have you been going after? Think about it for real. Not a hypothetical. What wrong reasons have you been going after that are distracting you? What do you need to let go of? It's time to let go. It's time to go hard after him and celebrate him for all the right reasons. His glory, his fame, him lifted up, his plan. So first, God has a plan. Second, God is worthy of celebration. And third, God will be praised. Are you praising him? He will be praised. Let's just take a look here at verses 39 and 40. It says, And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Why? Because they just called you king. And that's heresy. Why? Because they're assuming you're the Messiah. And that's unacceptable. Knock it off. That's what the Pharisees are saying. And Jesus' response is, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. When you see the word very, you got to put an emphasis somewhere. The very stones would cry out. I think he's basically saying this. If this part of my creation is shut up, this part of my creation will scream out. Because I am the creator. You don't know who you're talking to. Right? I mean, this man just addressed the one who spoke and the world came into existence. Colossians chapter 1. 
Yes, it is all about God creating, but we know very specifically from Colossians 1, it's Jesus who is the creator. It's him who creates and sustains. He's talking to the creator sustainer and he says, make them stop praising you. And the creator sustainer says, not on your life, right? There's no way these will cry out. And if not these, then at least these and these and these, at least the rocks around me, what I've created will celebrate who I am. This is the beginning of who I am. Welcome to Jesus Christ. This is a big moment. He is stepping up with authority. I mean, right after this, this is when he flips the tables over in the temple. He's getting on the kingship. Ramp it up. I can tell you this. He came in on a colt. And they cried, Hosanna. Please save us. We can trust in you. It's a guarantee. Blessed is the king who has just been sent by God. Imagine Revelation 19. Just imagine it. He's going to be coming on a white horse. Forget that little colt that's never been ridden on. He's coming on a white steed. And his eyes will be flames. And his tongue, the sword. He will be dominant and authoritative. And our King of kings and Lord of lords will be returning with authority. Right now, he came first as humble servant. Praise be to God. He has made a replacement payment for you and me. And next week at Easter, we're going to be celebrating it with all we've got. With all we've got. But that was just the beginning. Because he provided for you and me a way to have eternal life with him. And then he is coming back as reigning Lord. King of kings and Lord of lords. He is providing for you and me a replacement payment like never before. And in eternity with him to celebrate it. That's the plan. Can you imagine the celebration moment that's coming when we get to cry Hosanna and praise be to him. And you have saved us and it's all about the king. And now we're not even getting it wrong. Now we're getting it completely right. These guys grasped that he was Messiah. They just misplaced the timing a little bit on the kingship authority over everything. That's coming in a little bit. Revelation 19. I love that passage. The authority of who Jesus Christ is. Do not mess. That's what we're saying. I, I mean, I get so tired of this wimp picture of who Jesus Christ is. Have you ever tried to take somebody reviling you, as the Bible would say, mistreating you over and over, and you just take it because you know the plan? Try it. You'll see how tough. We have an authoritative God who loves with all he's got, who hungers to show us who he is and be lifted up in the midst of it. May we give him his right due. And this week, as we go out, here's our job. Here's our job. Are you ready? Are you ready? Yes. Here's our job. We must be praising him. We must spend this week celebrating him. We must spend this week blown away with what he has provided for us and what he is coming to provide still. We must see him as humble servant and glorious king returning. We must be able to say, praise be to God, Hosanna. 
He is our almighty. This is the week to start ramping it up because next week we're going to lift the roof off here, celebrating Jesus Christ, praising him and praising what we have in him. I'm excited about next week. I can only tell you this, bring some friends and bring some family because we are going to do some Easter service celebrating like maybe like never before. It's time to lift up who he is with all we've got and let's start now. God has a plan. Lean on him. Celebrate him for all the right reasons. All that he's doing, both in your life and in this world. See his hand at work as savior. And then praise him with all you've got. This is our week to simply say, thank you, Lord, for who you are. In each and every moment of each and every day. Don't lose sight. I'm telling you, you're going to get hit hit Tuesday and you're like, short week. I got to get more done at work. And all of a sudden we're getting distracted. Keep a focus on who he is. Praise be to God. Hosanna. Blessed is the king who has come in the name of the Lord. It's time to ramp it up. And it's time to get some friends to come with you and some family. Let's celebrate him next week with all we've got. Let's pray.